a book by its cover. Or can you? Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Reading Writers Podcast. My name is Sandy Butchers, and I'm the author and illustrator of the Singularian Grimoire Anthology on Kickstarter. And I'm Lydia Stevens, author of the Hellfire series in the Ginger Davenport Escapades. We're happy to have you back today as we're going to be taking a look at some book covers and we're going to look at some that are really good covers and some that are not so great. Um, so stay tuned and we're going to give you some tips and tricks on what makes a really good book cover. Red Ink is always happy to share news from RideHive, so get ready for RideHive Lite, the free virtual writing retreat held in October. Now, during this two-day event, you get the perfect opportunity to connect to other writers and to hone your craft. It's also perfect for writers who just need a set time to sit down and focus on their writing uh, and revisions. Now, applications for the editorial feedback are already closed, but you can still get a spot during the live events on their Discord channel. So if you want to make use of this really cool initiative from RideHive, be sure to click that link below in the description. In today's episode, we are going to judge books by their covers, and although this expression is used to prevent people from misjudging others, in the publishing industry, covers often tell a lot about the book they represent. Now, there are so many different types of covers. There are simple covers or really extravagant covers, there are um, artwork covers or even automatically generated covers. Um, there are so many options, but how do you decide which cover fits your book? Um, in today's episode, Lydia and I will shed some new light on the subject and we'll give you tips and tricks to decide how to get that cover just right for your book. But before we dive into the meat of today's video, we'd like you to take a moment and hit that like and subscribe button below. About 46% of all you people watching us aren't currently subscribed. And we realize these are much better numbers than last week, so thank you for that. Uh, but if you want to support us and make sure we keep the content coming, subscribe now. Don't forget to hit that bell button. So, Lydia, considering that you really like strolling through a bookstore to get yourself something new to read, um, how important is a cover for you? I mean, it's essential to have a good cover on your book because that's the first thing that a reader is going to see. That is the first thing that a potential buyer is going to see is your cover. Um, so it is absolutely imperative that you have a cover that not only matches your jacket flap copy, you know, the little blurb that you read of, of what the book is about, but that is eye catching and, um, <clears throat> you know, it really it fits with the tone of the book. Um, so I would say for the initial buy, it is the most important thing. 
Um, if you buy the book because the um, back book blurb and you know and the and the jacket the um, cover they match and they're you know it makes you buy the book and then as you're reading the book and you realize oh, the cover doesn't really fit well then it becomes a little eh, you can kind of all right um, form this own image in your mind of, of what the book it you know um, what that initial image might represent but as far as getting someone to stop and pick up your book, the cover is the very first thing that's going to make that happen. So like when I'm browsing in a bookstore, um, I have some pretty particular tastes um, as far as reading. I mean, I have my authors who, you know, I think there's like 20 of them that I just automatically buy the book when I know a new one is coming out. I haven't yet seen a cover that I don't like from them, um, but they're all also traditionally published. So, I mean, they have, you know, um, they have some pretty phenomenal, and a few of them, I actually follow their artists online um, and I get little snippets of, you know, the cover teasers. Um, but if I'm in a bookstore, um, I love any books about travel. Um, history usually makes me stop and go, hmm, you know, depending on which countries I'm interested in at the time um, and the travel and the history and the culture of those countries. Um, haunted houses, I am a total sucker for haunted houses. So it's, it, you know, um, I see an old abandoned mansion or house or something like that on a cover and I'm going to stop yep. um, and I'm going to start to read the jacket copy. And then um, if it doesn't match, with the haunted house kind of creepy house vibe that I'm like, where, you know, um, like last week I was looking at one and I absolutely loved the cover. I was like, oh, it's a haunted house and I'm in the mood for, you know, witchy autumn Halloween type stuff. And I started reading and the book was all about politics. And I'm oh, like, really? <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like, huh, I'm not really interested in reading about politics. I get enough of it in social media and the news and and all of that so it was an automatic it the cover did not match what the story was about at is all is that a recent development though because i've seen a lot of stuff you know passing the news feed on for example twitter or even instagram where people complain about um, how covers are used to sort of mislead people into thinking a book is about one thing a, a very um, mm -hmm. quick example which is also a very relevant example is that people are using artwork um, that shows us, for example, black characters, mm -hmm. while there are hardly any black characters in the book. So they're using it, um, you know, to sort of make us think, oh, this is really a thing, but but it isn't. So what we do, what do uh, we do with that? I mean, yeah, I think there are some people out there who really sort of manipulate the cover to try to be eye-catching based on current trending things in um, news and social media and stuff like that social movements um you know that that's like you just pointed out that's a really yeah. big thing and it's really crappy when they do that um, yeah because you know if, if you're looking specifically for books about um you know social movement and civil unrest and things like that and then and you pick this book up and thinking you know you're looking at the cover and it's really got you know um some of the some of those features on the cover and then you start and you realize that that's not actually what the book is about you're gonna put it down yeah uh, so I, I know and you're the graphic um, artist here so you can speak a little bit more on this um book covers are are sort of evolving i think in that we're seeing a lot more symbolism as yeah. opposed to just straight up 
you know, like a picture of a haunted house. Um, we we did it with my books, and we'll get into that. Um, yeah. You know, we can get into that a little bit later. But um, it's, it, yeah, they're they're becoming more abstract. I think I've seen a lot of that lately. It's sort of a trending yeah. thing. Um, yeah, and, and but that's going two ways. Like there is one group of writers who is really um, teaming up with um, you know conceptual artists, and and exactly they they are very abstract in what they come up with. But at the mm -hmm. same time, um, especially in the fantasy and sci-fi genre, there is a lot of really heavy-duty artwork going on, which I personally love. Um, but there is there seems to be like a a split up between where you can go. You either go fully abstract or you go full artwork uh, at this point. And I personally think that this movement um, goes hand in hand with how self-publishing is growing right now. Um, because, well, there is obviously there is a discussion uh, about the quality of self-published work because who is going to, you know, uh, check if it is the right quality, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we, we have, we've had this conversation in one of our earlier episodes. Um, yeah. And the thing is that you can nowadays, because covers are so important, you can draw someone in with a really, really, you know, a bang up cover while the story might not be so good. So, and you know, this creates a sort of counter movement because when you see a cover that looks so good, somewhere in the back of your head, you're going to have that voice saying, hmm, there must be something wrong with this book because they have so much on this cover. You know, it's, it, there's duality in there. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you're going to get that in both um, traditionally published, you, you know, you could have an amazing graphic designer and, and the book isn't all that great. I, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and likewise, and we can't just bash on self-published authors, especially, no, people, you know, um, another thing that I have seen is pre-mates, what are called pre-made yeah. covers. And there are these artists and they're put, you know, putting together these covers and then writers are buying the covers based on what they see and then writing the story to the cover. So that's a really interesting sort of twist on that. And it's almost like um, a writing prompt or something. Yeah, it's it's kind of a cool it's 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 a cool trend and, and then it's like you know, um at least their book is gonna match the cover. So that's you know, that's a really neat thing. Um yeah. and then and then we've seen some some pre made covers and some um that haven't been so great. Um you know, and again, case in point, we'll we'll look at mine later. But um, you also have um, what do you call them? The um, not cut and paste, the um, click art. No. Oh, when uh, I have the stock images, I'll just file them together. Images. Oh yeah. yes, I love. Well, stock some, yes, so there's <laughs> Don't some get me amazing, amazing, amazing covers with stock images, and then there are others where it's very noticeable yeah. that you know, um, this was sort of rushed through and, and you know, it, it could be better. And, and I don't know anything about blending or, or anything like that. But um, so for someone who doesn't know about that, it's not quite as noticeable. Um, so they're, you know, like I said, I'm browsing through a store and I'm looking at books and stuff like that. And um, I'm picking up a book based on visually what appeals to me so like i like really um bright colors or something very very dark so um you know like an emerald green or a royal blue um that will make me stop and look at the cover those are a couple of my favorite colors and so i'm like oh you know especially if i'm in my preferred sections um 
bargain books and <laughs> the, the fantasy section. And yes, I will cop to, you know, um, the romance section. But um, that one, you know, you've only got so many bare chests on the covers before I just sort of start passing them all <laughs> off. Sorry. I, know, I, remember, that, I, oh, sorry, I yeah. know in the romance genre that is what sells for me personally. I just, you know, I keep going. And I might find one. I remember a long time ago um, reading a Julie Garwood and she didn't have, she had like jewels or something on the cover and that made me stop and pick up the book and it was rom- and it was a really good romance story. Um, but yeah, the, you know, I've read my fair share of, you know, Bodice Ripper, Chest on oh, the man. cover, you know, I, all that I saw a book cover once and it was, <laughs> I will never forget it. I mean, it's, it's, it's in my eyes still. There was this guy, and he was, of course, bare-chested, and his chest was way too big <laughs> for my taste. But anyway, and there was there was this exploding mountain behind him, and there was this baby laying, you know, cradle in front of him. And I was like, I really, I, I don't even want to guess what this book is about. But yeah, and, and, I, oh, I'm gonna give them a little bit of shout out. I do like their podcast, Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and they take covers like this, and it's just it's hysterical. Yeah. So if you get a chance to listen to them rip on some romance cover, it's so funny. But being also a romance author, I do understand that those covers are the ones that sell. Um, they, you know, they're they really are the what make up the market and what gets somebody to say, "Ooh, that's a nice chest," you know, nice chest. So I'm gonna pick up. <laughs> so we can't really chest. bash on them too hard, but um, no, you know, no, 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 of course. Be a charge. But and you know, likewise, something very dark. Like if you give me a skull, like I said, the haunted house. If I've got you know a black cover with you know a jeweled dagger or something, I'm I'm going ooh, and I'm gonna you know. So that's a little bit of mystery. If you've got some mystery on your cover, um, and your cover should fit your genre. So a cozy mystery, I don't want to see, you know, a skull with a snake coming out the eye socket. That's not a cozy mystery genre cover. They're more the, um, like the, um, I don't remember who wrote it, but like cupcake murders or bake, bake, um, murders or, and stuff like that. And they're the cartoon, almost cartoon-like colors. And they're, they're pastels. Um, so those very, those fit with a cozy mystery. So Yeah, you want your cover to fit your genre as well. That's very important. And I'm gonna go ahead and you interject here. No, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Um, um, I mean, we, we we have discussed this now from the point of view where you buy books, but you are, are obviously also a writer. Um, you have published a couple of books. You have worked with um, publishing houses. You have worked with um, artists that you found online. Um, you have worked with a professional artist. Um, what do you prefer and why? Um, I, I mean, you've done a lot of um, cover work over the years and you're currently designing the Hellfire series. Mm-hmm. Um, so you as a professional, I do um, enjoy working with you. I have a little more say in working with you in, in what I want in a cover. Um, this coming from my experience um, at a literary agency, most traditionally published authors do not have a say in their cover in a yeah. traditional in a traditional house. I think they might be able to do cover briefs, uh, creative briefs of what they have in mind. Yeah. And the the cover you know designer will take that into consideration when designing the cover, but there is very little. Um, 
say and influence in in a in a publishing house of of what goes on your cover. So just you know, if you're self-published and you're working with a graphic designer, you get all of this all freedom. Yeah, you are paying for this cover to be able to put on your book. If you're going with a traditional publisher, just keep in mind that you probably don't have a lot of um, hold over what goes yeah, on. That's so, going to be a thing if I ever get traditionally pu published. I mean, I am a graphic designer. I'm going to look at those covers and go, no, and this needs to change and that needs to go there. And then they're like, oh, why did we get started with this? <laughs> right. Well, being a graphic designer, can you kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about how the process works? Yeah, sure. Um, so. For me, the, the most important part is where I, you know, get into a conversation with the writer. Um, I want to know the general idea of the story. I don't need to. I don't need to read the book. Some artists do. They really just. They just want to have a, a copy um, and they want to read it to get into it. For me, um, the essence is enough. I mean, you as a writer know best of all people what your book is about. So tell me. Um, and then from there, I usually set up a couple of color schemes, uh, color schematics, so that um, with the colors you define the atmosphere. So that's the, that's the first important process. Um, from there, I usually make up some some sketch mockups, like this goes there. This is this is what I'm thinking about um, picture-wise, because I am one of those art cover designers. So if you hire me to create a cover, um, you hire me to uh, actually make like a full art piece uh, for the book um, yeah I remember doing doing the Hellfire series and and just you know having these ideas and I see these things in my head and I can describe them in words to you but it would be like you would take that as a writer yourself and and pull something from that that I just you know absolutely astounding um, it, it, I didn't even think I needed that element <laughs> Um, I remember with South of Heaven, West of Hell's Bells, and, and I'm talking and I'm like, you know, she's really making a gamble on life, and there's fire, and there's demons, and there's and this and that, and, the, and, and you come up with, you know, the poker table, mm -hmm. and, you know, and I was just, and, and, you know, I've got fire, and I've got demons, and stuff like that on a, um, on a poke, on a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. and it just that would have never occurred to me to pull that but as you know as an artist as a, mm -hmm. a graphic designer just the, the fact that you can take an idea and create this almost entirely new concept to yeah. to well, to bring out all the little nuances of that idea i would have never yeah. even gone with gambling and, and, <laughs> You know, and, and the thing is, it's it's not even about actual graphic skills here. I mean, the largest part of getting this done is by listening. I I just listen to what you say. You can you can talk to me for about an hour, and I'm gonna take everything in. And um, and this is also the way my brain functions because if you tell me a story, I'm watching a movie inside of my head. I see everything in pictures. I hear in images. It's it sounds weird, but that's just how it is. Um, so the more you tell me, the more these images start, you know, to come. So um, for me, the connection between their gambling with the lies and there's fire and is for me, yeah. this is a one and one equals two, you know. Um, and, and then again, and there's the risk of the artist because I could also have made something and you looked at it and go, this is nope, <laughs> that's the biggest nope. You know, and that and that's a risk you have to take as an artist. So yeah, it means you're gonna spend a lot of time to get um, that concept worked out and to make sure it turns into a cover. But at the same time, you take that risk of spending that time on something that is not gonna work and you're gonna have to start all over again. And 
and and depending on whether you are working with someone you know who knows the job or someone who's just doing something and calling themselves a graphic designer because these people are out there mm -hmm. these people are a, a proper yeah. cover artist is going to say look okay so you, it's like writing you get a, a couple of rounds of revision also on the cover work i think that's very important i mean how how how, much, how many hours have we spent just tweaking that one cigarette burn going from one corner <laughs> to the next and <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, that, that brings up a good point in, in the quality, um, and, and the cover is it, you know, being worth it, um, and the hours spent because, you know, um, a lot of times on social media, I see, you know, I need, um, cover and, and, and one of the things with self-published authors, and again, this is not, um, bashing on self-published authors. I am one, um, they need a cheap cover. Um, because they're expensive and so it's you want to be sure that you're being respectful and you're paying your cover designer because it is a skill you know and it's not a skill that everybody possesses but at the same time you know you've you've got um, you've got a self-published author who might not have the biggest budget to be able to to you know so then you're you're look you're looking at um, writers who are, are going to those pre-made covers or they're going to the stock image covers and you know and and that's what they're doing and um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to look at um, cost versus, um, you know, quality and, and is it worth it? Like I saw on social media the other day, um, somebody was asking a question in a group and, you know, um, they said that this graphic designer was really well known. Um, there was a wait list and, you know, one of his covers was $2,000 just for one cover. Yeah, um, it happens. And, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, you know, so the community came in and they had a lot of great points of, you know, are your other books selling out enough to, mm -hmm. to cover the cost, you know, do you think you can sell this yeah. book enough to yeah. cover the cost of it? Yeah. So Is it's, it an it's, investment that's going to earn itself back? Like you can, I can, yeah. I can buy or I can write a really crappy book and wrap it up in a really nice cover but if it's not going to yeah. sell it, 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 it by the end of the day for me it's not worth the money and then i'm not going to spend two thousand on the other hand though if i know that my writing is not fantastic or even if i don't even if i write a perfect book um and, and i self-publish it there is a risk that it's not going to sell but okay. if i find it's worth it you know what's 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 keeping me from spending the two thousand dollars right i mean you you then get into a whole host of of things in terms of um you know your budget and and the cover and the cost for editing and um you know marketing um just because you have an amazing cover does not mean that book is going to sell no exactly that's the market yeah so this is all you know when you're talking about um if you have an amazing cover does that help absolutely mm -hmm. Abs 100 absolutely um but yeah, so that's kind of the first step towards making sure that, you know, your book is, is something that you're going to earn back that. Yeah. Um, it's the first investment in your, in your book. Yeah, that's right. So it's, you know, when when considering um, publishing your book and stuff like that, you really need to um, take all of this into, you know, um, all of these factors into consideration. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Red Ink has opened the doors of their virtual studio for fellow writers and members of the writing community. Do you want your book promoted on our show? This is now possible. 
on our website, redinkwriters.com, we have a continuous raffle going on where you can enter to win a free promotion of your book. So this week, we'd like to show you the Singularian Grimoire Anthology, a project from our very own host, Sandy Butchers. Yes, I would love to make uh, you know use of the opportunity to um, show you my work here because I've been working a lot with these anthologies. Um, not only are they a monthly um, thing uh, at this point on Patreon, but right now it's also going live on Kickstarter. And I still need a couple of backers to actually make this um, project kick off and uh, become an actual book. Imagine the love child between a comic book and a graphic novel. The Singularian Grimoire Anthology is exactly that. With over 250 pages and more than 70 stories and 60 illustrations, this is a must-have for every science fiction and fantasy fan. Sovereign knows he is far from human. His mind was transferred into a machine a long time ago. The Singularian, they called him. What he doesn't know is what happened when two-thirds of the human population was wiped out and the remaining people crusaded to destroy all technology. Now Sovereign finds himself lost in a second dark age where tech hoarding bounty hunters are after his head to sell his parts. Now at the same time, one of the remaining tech companies from before the Cataclysm succeeds in creating human-animal hybrids. Bound by an oath to protect mankind from extinction, Gil Griswold firmly believes that by splicing humans, he is setting up the survival of the species. But through centuries of research and cruel experiments, the splices rise against the abuse of their people. This leather-bound hardcover will be a complete collection of all the stories and illustrations as released in uh, 2021. It will be a whopping 250-plus page thick beast of a book, and each copy of this will be signed and accompanied by a personalized message to you just to make your friends jealous. Don't wait, because this Kickstarter is only open until September 27th. Hey everyone, welcome to this segment of the show called The Intern Insights. This is based on my experience working at a literary agency and a publishing house as an intern. And today I want to talk to you, since the theme is book covers, about author kits. This was something that I came across um, in my internship um, work, and it was something that I didn't really know about um, until this, you know, I didn't realize that authors did this or or had to do this um an author kit is just basically it's a marketing kit and it it really utilizes the book cover to sort of go out there and promote the book and so with an author kit you've got um several things you've got sort of the um the actual cover um just maybe like the front screenshot of the cover um, that you can post all over your social media and stuff like that. And that's a great thing to have because then what you can do with that and one thing that I have started learning to do and um, I've been asking Sandy to help me with this, um, you can do teasers from your cover. So little sections, you know, you can um, take from the cover and they almost act like a teaser like you would a, li a line or two from the book. Um, so that you can promote it on social media and really get your readers attention and, and say, Hey, you know, um, this is, this is a little bit of something that I've got coming for you. And this is what it looks like. Um, so it really draws them in and, you know, they want to know, they want to know more. They want the rest of the cover. They want to see what the whole picture is. Um, so that when, you know, you throw those pre-orders up and stuff like that, um, they can, um, you know, grab, grab hold of that 
that book. So that's something that would be in like an author kit. Um, and this was, you know, in my work, we were given some covers and we were told, you know, go into, um, you know, the graph, you know, um, show me these, this cover in several different ways. So you also in an author kit, you want like that tagline on the, on the front of the book. So, um, you know, take Hellfire series, I think, um, on Highway to Hell, um, there's something like, um, she, she rides for her soul or something like that. It's very simple. It's one line, one sentence, um, which sort of hooks the reader. Um, so you can play around with that on the cover of a book, um, and in your teasers and stuff like that. So that is a part of your author kit is you need to come up with that tagline. Um, a lot of authors have their sort of own, um, tagline for their brand so mine is feel your fire let it feed your soul and i have that um, on my website on my social media and stuff like that it's not specifically on my books per se but it you know it is associated with um i write a lot about um fire and inner conflict and souls and, and stuff like that so that is another part of your author kit and notice that these things are really um they're not necessarily a physical um copy of something but you want to have this material available to you so that when you're promoting your book um you know you've got a lot of different options to use um another thing that i've seen in an author kit and one thing that i have started to um partake in because it gets a lot of um interaction is the book trailers um so, you know, I had Sandy make my book trailers and they're absolutely phenomenal. I love them. They're like 30 seconds and they're just, you know, flashes of image, some music, a uh, little interactive stuff. And then at the end of the book trailer is that picture of your book cover um, and, you know, like a buy link or something like that. And you want to include that when you do your social media post so that people can go pre-order that book. But um Another thing that I have learned um, since working with Sandy is um, the book banners um, and that if you're a series writer and you want that banner to have, um, you know, sort of your books lined up and, and maybe you can see it here where, you know, with the Why Me and um, the Singularian Grimoire anthologies in the background and they're all kind of lined up together. Well, a book banner is going to be that social media picture that has the covers of all of the books. So it's really important to have those because it shows everybody that you have multiple books out and then they can go look for you, um, you know, a website or if you want them to um, to steer them to your other social media to follow or something like that. It's really important to have um, that graphic image or, or um, banner post. Um, that's a part of your author kit. Um, another aspect of the author kit is you want to have your bio. So the um, writing accomplishments that you've done, awards, um, books that you've written in the bio, um, you need to have that little blurb in a document or something like that so that um, when you're asked for it, you can um, provide it. And that is not only is that for social media, but if you um, do interviews, like I have a couple of interviews coming up this week, um, I have all of that in my author kit. Um, and, you know, when they ask me, for my bio, I, you know, my schooling and, and my work history and, and things like that. Anything that pertains to writing, 
um, should be summarized in that bio. So that's important to have in your author kit as well. Um, you want for promotion purposes, um, something that is really popular lately for your author kit is to have that um, graphic image with a hard copy of the book with the cover and then the little cell phone book cover and then maybe an e-reader um, with the book cover and like the three are sort of staggered and stacked together so that you can see um, that the book is available in multiple formats because people are starting to expand on how they read a book. Um, I have not yet seen um, any of those graphic images which portray maybe an audio book because it's a little, um, I think I've seen one or two where there's a little image of headphones um, going into, you know, a device or something like that. But that's something that you want to keep in mind for your author kit. Um, and again, this all has to do with marketing and it's sort of all centered around your book cover and your book blurb and your bio um, and, you know, your previously published books and stuff like that. So this is um, in terms of intern insights, this is something that you want to be aware of. Um, this could be something that you hire somebody to help you put together. Um, me, I am not a graphic designer. I'm not an artist. I draw stick figures and usually you don't know that they're stick figures. So I need help with this in terms of the graphics. Um, the written parts, you know, I, I can come up with that on my, on my own. The, um, the tagline on the book cover. Um, you also want to consider maybe reviews. Um, if you have a really positive review um, of, your, of your book, um, whether it's, uh, you know, you had an ARC reader or this book um, has been previously published and you've got a great review, um, maybe including that with your kit as well so that, um, you know, you can use that. I know that I had a great review that I put on the cover of um, Highway to Hell in the graphic um, images. So that's really important um, thing to, to include in your author kit. So um, I think that's really um, sort of the basics of an author kit. And then you can utilize that any way you need to to market your books. Danny, do you have anything to add that you that you would say you would add to that kit, or um... Um, not not really? Actually, I think this is this is a really complete list of what you need to to sort of get the branding and the promotion thing going. Yeah. And and to be honest, I hadn't heard of the the author kit either. Yeah. So for me, the, I mean, everything you you um, you just gave us, I, I knew it was there, and I knew you kind of need it. Um, but I didn't know it almost that's what it's called. So <laughs> thanks for sharing this. <laughs> You're welcome. I yeah, I you know, until I did the um, intern work, I had no idea that anybody would would have something like this. And yeah. I think with traditional publishing, um, they try to provide you with a little bit of that. Um, but really is the author's responsibility to have those tools necessary to promote yeah. the book because it's their social media and it's their following. And, you know, you really need to have all of that, not just, you know, bits and pieces. And I mean, as we saw this morning, getting ready to record our episode, um, you know, I have those things. They're not all right there where they should be. Uh, I'm not the most organized person today. So um, yeah, it's important, you know, keep that little folder with all of that material in it so that you can, um, you know, pick and choose what you need to and, and what's appropriate, you know. Um, like sometimes Facebook 
you know, you might have this really long explanation of why you did this with this book and that convention and stuff like that. That's not going to fit on Twitter. Twitter wants a little 140 character explanation of why we're seeing this book trailer. Um, so yeah, it's very important to have everything so that you can um, really design your marketing to to the material that you have so that you can get those those book sales. So Absolutely. yeah, hopefully this helps and you can all start to put together your kits. I have this little image in my head of everybody, you know, going around with like a bag or something and I need that. I need that. Um, the little virtual, you know, person collecting all the stuff they need. So good luck making your author kits and definitely really recommend having them. So um, have a good one. This week's Twitter poll asked what you people were most eager to hear about. We gave you three options. The first one was do's and don'ts for cover designs. The second one was basic design principles. And the third one was how to use text on a cover. Now, the answer was pretty clear uh, because most people voted for do's and don'ts uh, for a cover design. Uh, and what better way to do that um, then by showing you a couple of covers and going through the observations that, uh, you know, I make uh, while being a, a cover artist, um, but also as Lydia, who loves to go through the bookstore um, and pick up those books based on their covers. Um, so here's just a very short disclaimer. Um, these covers are not sponsored in any way, uh, and nor does um, uh, our analysis affect the quality of the book itself. Um, so we are just saying what we see. Um, and to make an opinion on this book, we leave that up to you. All right, Lydia, uh, we have the first cover and we actually got this one from uh, someone who suggested this one uh, through the website. Now, for me, the first thing I see is the color, it's the contrast between the black and the blue, which I think works really well. Um, and you are very eager to say something. Go say it. <laughs> I love this cover. I would pick this book up. So it screams political thriller mystery. Um, just, you know, the Judge Spencer is, you know, very prominent right there in front of you. But then, you know, you start looking at all the little nuances of the cover and you see the Censor's Secret Society. I am a sucker for a secret society. So if you're a listener and you're a member of a secret society, send me an invitation. Because I want one. I want like the cloak and dagger. Yeah, that's totally me you know and then you know you've got the scales of justice in the background you've got the judge's gavel and then in the bottom the the thriller the mystery part you've got sort of you know the dark street in the car and stuff like that so it definitely suggests that you're gonna end up with um we've got a mystery on our hands i feel like scooby-doo right now but um no it's it's i just love this would make me stop in a, in a store and pick yeah. this book up and read yeah. the jacket copy I and totally, i haven't I totally read agree. the jacket copy but yeah, I yeah. absolutely love this cover. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why. And also, from a from a technical point of view, um, the, the the edge work is is really well done. Like, I don't see any cut and paste edges there. I don't get the the whole um, stock images just slapped together. This is really worked out. Um, this is done by a professional. And also, something that I really like to point out uh, in terms of a do and don't on a cover, um, they don't use too many. Uh, different types of fonts so it, it is it's not a mess of oh look we have this fancy font here and we're gonna smack it something else right there there is a, a really good balance between what the letters are doing on the screen uh, and, and I'm all here for it um, um, also the, the only thing that I would actually it's not necessarily a, a sort of down point or downside to this one but it might be a bit too literal 
Like I, I yes, the scales are very symbolic, um, but I do feel that this cover might be giving away a little bit too much of the actual story. So the balance is it's still good. Yeah. There is a lot going on in it, yeah. yes. Um, for me, I like busy covers. Um, I do, you know, I, and, and you've you've had this conundrum with me when <laughs> I'm designing my covers and I'm like, can I have, I want fire here and I want skulls there and, I'm, and you're like, no. No. Um, <laughs> I, and it, I, I, we had the biggest discussion with the text actually because you wanted a yeah. lot of text in the front cover and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, so yes, it, it's um, a matter of preference um, to some degree, but also one of the things I really like about the text on this cover is um, it, it is very um, block text um, for most of it, so it's very clean and you can read it very well. Um, the white really contrasts with the with the black and the blue. But then you have the J and the S in um, Judge and Censor, and you've got the swirling um, curly cues on the J and the S. And so that brings in just enough character into those letters that it adds to the intrigue of the title. So I really, really enjoy that. Um, is it busy in the background? Yes. Um, I think you've got, you know, you've got sort of a duality of, um, you know, the judge being at the top and then censor. You've got sort of this sensory, um, experience with this with the dark street and it and it really brings out um yeah. this intrigue and this this mystery and this thriller so you've got duality in the cover but they but they were working together mm -hmm. um yes it you know for some people this might be too busy for me i would i would pick this I, I'm, good, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go and, okay so and give it give it a grade like if you if you give it points one to ten nine Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would I would pick this. I'm actually probably going to go look for this book. <laughs> I'm the tough teacher here. I'm going to say seven and a half. Fair and, enough. And still, and, and for me, and, and that's really good. That's really good for, for my standards. So that's I think that would be the same about you or nine. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. So we have some tips and tricks uh, coming forth from this one. Um, now, if we scroll down a little bit to the next one, um, look at this beauty. <laughs> um, First thoughts. It doesn't match the title. Um, it's it's very it feels very cramped. Um, so the the cover itself is screaming science fiction because you've you've got the woman with the shears, and you've got the alien fish guy behind her. So it you know <laughs> I it, think in the original cover it, it's supposed to be a, a wolf kind of thing. There I, I checked this one Wait, out on is a yeah. Wolf? I don't know. There's like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I checked this one um, out through other websites, and this one is actually kind of famous by now for being a bad cover. Um, uh, and people are still arguing about: is it a wolf? Is it a bear? Is it a tree? People don't really know. And I'm saying this again. Like, <laughs> sorry, say that again. I will. I, this is the hill I'm going to die on. It's a fish guy. Okay. Yeah. So, so is it a wolf? Is it a bear? Is it a fish guy? Like, it can, it can go. All, any kind of direction. I think it's uh, funny though that you're calling this a sci-fi cover because for me I thought it was going to be fantasy because of the for some reason the the the, the red-haired girl with the blue eyes and then there's also the, the color schematics kind of suggest fantasy <laughs> but it, it, it does fantasy and sci-fi can kind of cross some boundaries a little bit a little bit um, yeah. I think why it screams sci-fi to me is because the, when I saw 
the image in the background, I immediately thought fish guy. Could be an alien. Yeah. Um, you know, alien fish guy. So um, I have to be a little bit nice. I think she's pretty. I like her red hair and I love her freckles. And I love the fact that there's something that different on a cover because you don't see a lot of freckle, redhead, redheaded, freckled people on a cover. So I, I'm always one of those for every cheek. I do look for something, you know, something positive to say because I don't like putting people down. This, no, no, this no. And, and this is not about putting it down. This is, this is about, <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, um, there are good so things to say, say about I do this. I think she's very pretty, but, um, I, it's it's too much and then you get into the to the text you can very clearly see the author's name which is great um yeah the the title of the book gets lost though um it, it took me a couple of tries the it's not necessarily the font i don't know in terms of a graphic design perspective how you would bring this forward a little bit but um moira's gets lost in the image and i don't know if that's just something that you maybe would need to outline or shadow or something yeah, like that yeah a simple Make drop it... shadow would even fix that problem yeah yeah um you know it, it's it's one of those you have to squint like um and i think the i and the r and moira is where i'm getting really lost because um it, it took me a minute to realize it was moira not mona so yeah um and that's it, the font yeah that's not even that's not even the placement that's just the font itself yeah i like yeah. the font but it doesn't work because yeah. everything else is so busy. Mm -hmm. It, um, you know, I like the daggered um, tees, and and I happen to to be drawn to this kind of font. But it does it takes me a minute to to really. Yeah. And and the title doesn't match what's going on in the images. I I, I even have no idea. I don't. I, I, by this cover, I couldn't have a clue what this book is about. About a girl with some scissors and a big giant monster behind her. Um, but and, and again, talking about the technicalities, the way this has been cut and pasted into the document, there is no edge work, nothing. Um, again, I, I agree with you with the, the, the name of the, of the author being on top, being very readable, which is really well, well done, actually. Um, but, color but... schematically, I also think it kind of it works. Like the, the, the combination of colors are actually okay it's just that the the way this has been finalized yeah for me that's it, a no yeah um i like the fact that the monster is very dark and she's very vibrant i mean that definitely speaks to the dichotomy of good and evil mm -hmm. um so that does you know work in that regard yeah. but the rest of it doesn't fit the title doesn't no. fit um no, exactly. we don't know is the monster following Moira in her footsteps or is Moira looking over her shoulder all the time because the monster's in her footsteps and she's about to get she's eaten in by the monster's Andy. footsteps sky <laughs> wolf yeah. man yeah. and then as far as the um author's name yes it's very clear you can read it but it's almost too spread out for me yeah it's, there's no white space like around it um, you know, it's right there on the edge, but also it's stretched, so it kind of looks skewed. And yeah. that might just be, I have really crappy eyesight. No, no, but no, it, it was, you know, it was almost like it, he's making his name the banner across the top of the book, which, yeah. um, yeah, you, know, you would need some... more white space around it. And, and that's also one of the do's, um, for, you know, cover design. Make sure there is enough space around any text, 
um, to make sure that it doesn't fall off your page or it doesn't give it the idea that something has been crammed into a cover. Use I've the space that. that you have. Yeah, I've had that issue with covers before where you get it and it looks good and you you know, and then of course you're uploading the cover to um, Amazon Publishing and you know, they give you like a centimeter where they're like, this is so, it throws everything, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Um, and I've come to you crying and pulling my hair out like I don't understand it won't fit on the thing in the red line and and yeah it's so I could see this having some issues depending on what platform he's uploading it Mm to um for you know getting it to specs to for publishing and stuff like that so it's it's there are elements of it that are are done well yeah absolutely I mean the the concept of the it's a very high concept cover which is actually great but they're not put together cohesively exactly Uh, and i also have to wonder what she's going to do with those scissors because like they're not threatening the monster behind her at all it looks like she's going to try to cut off her nose and i feel bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah and she's looking very yeah okay all right okay (laughs) it's it's like i said parts of it are are okay but it just it doesn't it doesn't work together okay Uh, give it points one to ten I would give this one a three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. I'm not gonna go lower than a three. All right. Okay, so the third cover is going it's to be a surprise cover for you. And I am going to paste it right now. Can you see it? <laughs> Look at that! No. It's my cover! Oh, okay, so, so for the third one, we are looking at South of Heaven, West of Hell's Bells. And I did this because it's is it this month that it's releasing or is it next month? September 22nd, so less than a month, yes. Yes, so you That's must be super excited long. about that. Yeah, <laughs> very excited. I'm super excited. So this is the one we were talking a little bit about earlier um, as far as the gambling. Um, yeah. And, you know, Catriona Clark, who is my main character, um, she's really gambling with the lives of her Hellcats. Um, so as you can see with this cover, um, you know, you've got the, um, the gambling table, the poker table, and you've got the poker card. And then you've also got, you know, um, sort of this um, symbolism of the, you've got a hellhound on top and a hellcat on bottom um and or vice versa i'm sorry and you know so this one we really bring in um the rival gang the hellhounds um into south of heaven west of hell's bells and that is in the book blurb so for those of you you know obviously you can't see that right now but um so you've got that symbolism there and you've got the playing card the gambling card and um i think what i love about this is is the hearts the heart and the spade so um I don't know what it is about poker. Those have always been my two favorite suits, but you know, you've really got that love she has for her Hellcats. That to me, that to me anyway, is what that symbolizes on the on the gambling on the playing card. And then you've got the spade. So like she's digging her own grave in some of the choices that she's making. Um, so, you know, when it comes to working with the um, the Hellhounds, that's really uh what that kind of represents for me and then you know of course you've got the cigarette she's a demon i mean she's a sinner and you know smoking's bad quit yeah. if you're, if you're smoking, yeah, that, no. that was I'm one of my my comments on this cover it might actually not be appropriate for every audience considering there's a cigarette in there so there might be some 
backlash for but, kids who pick this up at a library but <laughs> i love i love the fact that i tell you i need fire and so you literally put a cigarette burn in my gambling yeah. table and you know it just it just that just brings in such um such a symbolism and a metaphor for you know she's just going to set the whole table on fire um you know she's gambling with the lives of people and you know she's trying to atone for her own sins so she can go to heaven but you know she's just gonna burn it to the ground because of the choices that she makes so i love this cover it's one of my favorites <laughs> so, okay, so favorite. for, for me it would be a little bit weird to judge this cover and i'm not going to give it any numbers because obviously i made it um but in terms of again the do's and don'ts on a cover work if you look carefully you see that there's only uh, one font being used here everything is at the same font so it creates a, a sort of unity and at the same time this is one of those covers where it's it's a full art piece if you look at the whole thing the whole thing is a piece of art um but it's it's so high in concept like there is not so much to see it's not like we get one of those really old-fashioned like the the classic sci-fi art prints because they were they would just be posters smacked on a book cover which i personally i love that but this is like the, the ultimate balance between yeah. these two things. It's super high in concept, at the same time, it's very artistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I love the color. There's not a lot of color mm -hmm. going on, but the color that is there is really deep and rich, which really speaks to me. I yeah. love, um, like I said, like um, royal blues and emeralds and ruby reds. You know, yeah. that just speaks to me the most. So the fact that the, the royal blue is in here and, and then you've got sort of the um, monotone, the, the neutral colors really works. And I mean, you know, as far as what's actually on the cover, there's a playing card and there's a cigarette. So yeah. there's not a lot of stuff um, yeah. like tangible items. Mm -hmm. But when you start looking at the nuances of what the is details, on there, like yeah. you've got the cigarette smoke, um, yeah. you've got the ashes and the cinders from from that cigarette, and you know on the playing card itself, in in addition to the pictures of the Hellcat and the Hellhound skulls, and the suit, um, the heart and the spade, like if you look at the border of the card, um, I love Celtic knotwork. So the the fact that the card is designed in this um, pattern also speaks to me because you learn in this book that Catriona is of Irish descent. So that- I really... did not even know that while I was yeah, reading this. Yeah, I didn't this, so. that. So when you, <laughs> did it, when you did it and I saw it, I was just, oh, that's amazing. So yeah, there's, there's not a lot on the cover, but what there has, you know, you can start to, when you really start looking at it, you can bring, you know, start picking out the details of of what's there and you know looking at the hellcat and the hellhound um you've got that sword going through both both skulls um i think in in highway to hell there was the hellcat with one dagger um and that really speaks to bringing the hounds and the cats together and that does start to happen in south heaven west of hell i can't give everything away but um no, okay. yeah. so you <laughs> know right, and, and in terms again of the do's and don'ts so high concept images are they they were if done well you know, it definitely works because you can tell like half the story based on this single image while there's not even that much to see. Um, another do is compared to the last uh, or the previous uh, cover we looked at, there is a lot of white space around here. So if you look at where the text has been placed, there is a proper border of nothing around it. Um, so it doesn't give you the feeling that the text has been crammed onto the page and it just had to fit there. You know, I mean, it's a pretty long title, South of Heaven, right. West of Hell's Bells. Break it up, make it, make it, 
I mean, make it one chunk as, as we've done here, but separate them in two different lines. So give them space to breathe. Um, again, the fonts, so don't use too many fonts. I would say two is the maximum. Three, if done well, but you really need to know what you're doing if you're going to work with three different fonts. Um, so edge me, work. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, let me ask you, if you were to do three fonts, would you do title in one font with the subtitle, like you have Hellfire Series Book 2, and then maybe author um, in a font? And then um, I know some people do put their taglines on the front of their book. So mm -hmm. would that be like the third? Would, would that be how you would, you know... Um, Conceptually, how how would you do that to make it? It, to it be really depends. It really depends. Like it, it is possible to have the author's name in a different font and then the title in a different font and a tagline. Mm -hmm. um, but but still, uh, between the author's name and the tagline, I would pick two fonts that look very much alike. So they can be different, but they need to be pretty similar so that you know it doesn't become obvious because otherwise it just becomes a sort of mumbo jumbo put stuff together and. You know, it's going to confuse you. And these are um, the same thing I did with um, with the first book, the Highway to Hell. It, it this almost becomes a branding. Like if you show people these covers, they are going to recognize the fonts. They are going to recognize the style this has been made in. Um, and that that is just what I what I went for when I designed these covers. Um, so that is also something to consider again in terms of do's and don'ts. If you um, really feel like the book that you're publishing is going to be your benchmark, it's going to be the one that you are going to be, <laughs> in a way, famous with. Make sure that it's something you can you can brand. You know, um, make yeah. sure it it, be, it 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 has a sort of unity in there, and that we can start to recognize your work by looking at any piece of what you have because it's all connected through a certain uh, style. Um, so I hope that kind of helped and we've looked at a couple of covers and you know we've seen really good ones we've seen some that we definitely have an opinion about but um i think we've covered most of the yeah i just i what last things that i would add to this is i love how gritty it is because we're really talking about demons and redemption and and the um you know the difference between heaven and hell and so i love that there's that darkness to it there's that grittiness and even on the card itself the card is not perfect there's stains <laughs> and it, you know, there's the wrinkle yeah. and, and stuff like that but at the same time um you know you do have those little elements of of um that could symbolize hope in in regards regards to the heart and the celtic heritage you know the celtic um not work and, and stuff like that so i you know talking about author branding and things like that um i can't show them because um the once the contract was done with the press um this is a um, re-release as well as highway to hell um i was contracted with a publisher i can no longer use those covers um they're not my property anymore so they are still out on the internet when you search these titles you will see them um but we had to go in an entirely different direction to be able to rebrand and to get this and so with the other co covers they were more stock images and that's okay um they worked for um the sort of concept of the covers that i was going with which was motorcycles um both covers featured a motorcycle and and this one is really more symbolic i think and that's you know in writing the stories I have a lot of that in there. Um, you know, there are a lot of sort of um, topics that aren't um, physical 
um, issues or, or conflict. There's a lot of inner, internal conflict of self. Um, so, you know, the being able to bring in in this um, sort of abstract idea um, really helps brand this series in a way um, that I think fits a little bit better. Um, yeah. So that's why I love them so much, and it's definitely going to set them apart from where it was going before. Um, so yeah. Of course, we're also very curious to uh, opinions of you who is uh, watching this um, this episode. Um, so if you want to share your opinions about the covers we just showed you, feel free and please do um, to leave a comment below. Um, we are curious to know what you think. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for tuning into the Red Ink Writers podcast. We're so glad that you could join us. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the little bell button so that you can stay tuned for future episodes as well as get caught up on some past episodes that we have posted. So also be sure to check out our website, redinkwriters.com, where we will be releasing a new Twitter poll, um, listeners poll rather, for next week's episode um, so we can get your opinions on what you want to hear about. Um, so that'll be on our website as well as we will post that um, and tweet that on Twitter. Um, next week's episode, not next week, excuse me. The next episode that we are going to be doing is author improvement through editing. So we're going to have a special guest on that episode. So be sure to tune in for that. Um, we're very excited. This is going to be our first interview. So definitely be checking out our website, our YouTube, and um, look at our personal Twitter handles for that. Um, so that'll be coming to you in two weeks. So just remember, as you're going out there into the writing community, you've got this, even if you don't know what the fuck you're doing.